It is the 11 dub cast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. And I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about basketball. Basketball makes me sad. And I don't like being sad. And we're going to talk. We're, we got to do it. I'm not going to say no basketball on the dub cast. But what I will say is that I remember us having a conversation, Andy, about four games ago where we were like, okay, worst case scenario, one and three, right? Like you, you're going to, you're going to win at least one of them. That's mm-hmm. a given uh you know two and two not ideal three and one definitely a possibility could go four and oh and what you're seeing with ohio state right now is they've slipped down the polls a little bit still in the top 10 i'm not you know eh. uh not a one seed anymore obviously pretty solid two seed uh you want to see him get some momentum in the big 10 tournament man that oh and four losing four straight especially in the way that they did to end this basketball season is uh it's kind of rough it's a rough way to do it especially against illinois that was that was probably the worst one of the bunch in my opinion frankly yeah the, the only thing i'll say about that though in an ohio state's defense is illinois is a really good ball club you know yeah but so we, okay but, but, but he just, i gotta interrupt he, i gotta interrupt because i gotta <laughs> tell you something man like i heard that so often in the last four games michigan state's really like especially from the announcers hey big ten's tough look i get that but I got like, I got to tell you, man, Ohio State's supposed to be pretty good too. And you got to take one game from yeah. these four good teams if you're also good. I don't, I don't know. It's it, that's what really bothers me. Was the bad loss? Like that's the one of that bunch. I, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be an apologist for this team. I, I, sure. I admit I was probably uh, irrationally exuberant in, in. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's hard not to be when they're hitting every, oh, you know, 100 threes. And, I mean, you know, when they're, they're like on, it's a fun team to watch, yeah. right? And and so I, I definitely got caught up in that. I think the I think the challenge, so Michigan State to me was the bad loss because that's the team of the bunch that is not like the others. So when, yeah. I, when I look at the other teams you lost to uh, in that stretch, Michigan, Illinois, uh, and Iowa, those are three of the top, five six seven teams in the country yes period so i think you i think you put this basketball season that you have gonzaga baylor and michigan to me are kind of in a tier above everybody else and then you have teams that are really good so look at look at iowa iowa to me is sort of an avatar of ohio state exceptional offensively and just so so defensively right Mm -hmm. that's that that's the knock on both those teams and you know it's it's hard to sweep a team in this conference. So Iowa comes back and does the deal and they looked pretty, pretty, pretty good doing it. Illinois though, is more like Michigan in that they're balanced between the offensive and defensive ends, you know, so that's if you true, look at yes. their adjusted efficiency ratings, and that's where I think Ohio state has trouble is on teams that are that balanced. So yeah, they're going to have trouble against, you know, teams like Michigan and Illinois, because what's Ohio state's big knock is they're not great defensively. Well, if, if you flip it around, these teams that are maybe good at one or the other, Ohio State can overcome that with great shooting because they're a great shooting team. They're one of the three, four, you know, five best shooting teams in the country. Uh, that, but, but, but the defense just isn't there to get them past teams that are balanced, Michigan, Illinois, um, Iowa. You know, I think you come back and if you see Iowa again in the tournament, Ohio State's got a chance to win them. I, 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 don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel bad about that versus where Michigan and Illinois, ah, okay, maybe I'm going to be concerned about them because the balance they have that Ohio State doesn't. That, to me, is kind of how how this team's broken uh, in that stretch. I did not see, you know, a four-game losing streak, and I would say 
um, Colin made a great point piece that he put out on the site on um, Sunday after the brackets came out, or the, the, the seating came out. Ohio State uh, needs a, a tune-up game, so not getting mm-hmm. the double bye is probably good. But the flip side of that is that's a must-win game because you do not oh my God. go into the NCAA tournament you know, on a five-game losing streak. That would be all. <laughs> Now, do I think they're going to, you know, run through the field in Indianapolis and win the Big Ten tournament? I think they can. Do I think it's likely? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm not ready to call that one yet, especially since they're coming up against their kryptonite and Purdue in the second round. But, yeah. uh, you know, in the se- in their second game, I mean. But I think I think the first game, Minnesota-Northwestern, that's, that's definitely a winnable game. Well, and if you don't win, then you've got bigger problems than that's right. worrying about yes. Purdue. I mean, that's 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 a sign that something is really truly you know broken with the team, and you know you're you're not going to do a whole hell of a lot in March, regardless. But you know, the thing is for me, and I agree that you know it's I you want to see those two numb games. You really want to see them to get certain things right and and straight, particularly three point shooting. Um, we actually i did a i did a little cursory you know preview of the ask us anything this week there's one ask us anything question that is incredibly relevant to this conversation i'm excited to get to it but offensively they just it's you know there were times against illinois where they looked really great and in sync and exactly the kind of team that you know potentially can beat any other team in the country uh the consistency just has not been there in the past four games they haven't gotten a lot of contribution from guys that they you know, had been getting for the vast majority of the season. Um, you know, we love Zed, but he's not shown up to the point where he really is needed um, by the team in the past few games. Justin Arns hasn't done a great job. It, there's a lot of stuff that you want to see. You want to see more depth offensively in general. EJ Liddell has been playing his mind, like out of his mind. He's, he's been an unbelievable force, but he can't do everything by himself. And that's why it's, it's good that you have that tune-up game. I will also say that, if they didn't if they did have that double buy that would be an indication that they don't need a tune-up game because they would have been playing so well to the point where they have earned that but yeah i i think they'll do okay against whoever they end up playing northwestern or minnesota i think that'll go okay and then they've got to prove themselves against purdue and if you get both of those games that's i'm okay with that that'll make me feel a little bit better about uh march madness and the the tournament um you know, Chris Holman's done a good job with this team so far in the NCAA tournament, but they also haven't advanced super far. And they've, they've done well relative to expectations, but they also haven't kind of made a run. And that's what you want to see with this team because they're certainly capable of it. They are a legitimate top 10 team in the country. And I don't know, man, like to me, this is like you're for this team, for this season to be considered a success. I got to believe it's sweet 16 or bust like at the least, because that's the level of talent that's on this team. And yeah. anything less than that, I'm going to be not super, super thrilled. I think about how this season turned out. I don't know. What are, where are your expectations? Where do you, where do you think they should go? No, I mean, I think that's, I think that's absolutely reasonable. And and I think this team has potential, you know, I, I've been saying final four and I suppose maybe a little bit tongue in cheek. I, I think yeah. they have the potential to do that. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I think, I think a sweet 16, bid is a reasonable expectation um i think that's the floor like you have to get to that 
Yeah. And, and, you know, it's one of those things that you, you I'm, I'm, I'm hedging a little just because you want to say, okay, I want to see the bracket, you know, do they get, sure. do they get a favorable draw that matters matchups matter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. The talent is a thing. What I really need to see from this team to, to help me feel good about saying, yeah, this is an elite eight team. This is for sure. A final four team mm-hmm. is, is I need to see, you know, how they come back here in this tournament and, and get back to, making making better shot selections i think the problem right. i had with them down the stretch it was really apparent in the illinois game um and and you saw it you know we talked about it, the michigan state game where the referees hosed them but they still didn't hit a field goal the <laughs> yeah. final like four minutes and 55 seconds they didn't they didn't make a bucket in the last four minutes of the illinois game either right. i don't remember what the exact timing was but it was at least four minutes and and when you go back and you look at the shots you know that illinois game the last I don't know, 10 shots of the game, 80% of them were Dwayne Washington just chucking up right. crap. Like, hell, not I might as well, I might as well lead, have been out there throwing the clock, up. Just going for it, going, all right, you know. And the thing about it is, style. it's like, if you're going to, and he, so he'll take some of these shots where he's like, you know, kind of a half-ass fadeaway off his back foot kind of deal. And, and I'm like, you right. know, if you're just going to jack up some random mid-range jumper that has a, you know snowball's chance in hell of going in at least go at the basket and draw the foul right you know but he throws up some crap shot so and this is not by the way i'm not a Dwayne washington hater i i respect his confidence and you know when he's on i mean how many times have we seen him just like throw up a three-pointer and you're like holy crap how'd he make that and it's a great you know, and he gets the, the thing yeah. going again. So I, but he was like one for eight. Like oh, in his last, it like, was abysmal. So I just like, terrible. I, I'm ready for the offense to stop going through Dwayne when the game is on the line down how many ever yeah. points in the last four minutes. Cause it ain't working right now. Yeah, And, and EJ's the best player on the team. Like, that's the other thing. It, I get it when he's hot. You're absolutely right. When he's hot, he is an unbelievable player you know, can shoot with the best of them. But I got to tell you something. EJ Liddell is the best player on the team. He's the most likely to draw fouls. He will get things done at the basket. He can do mid-range stuff. He is the best player on the team. Get him more touches when you have a lead and just a couple minutes left in the game. They choke so hard in that game. And it's part of it's on Holtman. You got to get him out of the mindset of like, shoot till you win. You got to start being a little more strategic towards the end of the game. But shot selection is huge and like yeah it was it was just a poorly done game in that illinois game and i was just oh i was not a happy camper after that one i usually don't get very angry honestly about like losses and wins and stuff that's the one that that pissed me off quite a bit because they had that game in the bag well and you can really see it in the stat sheet because if you look at if you look at the teams you know between the two teams you know ohio state's for 40 percent shooting illinois was 52 percent 52%. 52%. Now, of the 52 shots the Illini took, only 12 of them were from distance. Yeah. So, so, you know, they're making 52% of their shots inside the arc. You know, they were going at the basket and making it happen. Ohio State shot 29 from distance and only made nine, you know. So <laughs> you're only shooting good. 31%, but you're taking almost, you know, so they only took 65 shots the entire game. 
and 29 of them were from distance. You only made nine of them. Right. So like there, yeah, there's You're a shooting you yourself live, on the foot. Yeah. You live by the sword and you die by the sword. I get that. That's, you know, we've, we've talked about it all season. That's how this team is made up to take shots from distance, but you've got to, you, you've got to move the ball better and, and get better looks. If you're going to take those so many yeah. of those, it was, you know, that one possession in the last four minutes, just exactly what you said, you know, they come down the floor and instead of working the clock, Dwayne jacks it up from distance just, yeah, like and it wasn't and it wasn't a good 20 seconds left on the clock and it wasn't a good shot like it was no. not like no you should have two more passes you know give me two that's more what, passes and right and that's what drives me crazy is because it, yes they are a distance shooting team but they have ej liddell like that's what drives me crazy is because it's not like he goes away it's no. not like he's not a fact you have him available for precisely that moment that often should have ran through him entirely for that last segment in that game. And they probably win. If that happens, you get free throws. He makes the shots. I just, that baffles me. You've got to learn how to shift modes when you need to, that may not be your primary makeup as a team for the most part, but you got to lead against a team. That's really good at banging inside and drawing fouls and making those free throws. You've got to match that because if you're not hitting your shots on the outside, you're giving them free points. And that's, that's really what was happening. And I just, you know, again, you got to be smarter than that. So I'm not, you know, again, I want to see what happens with the winner of Minnesota Northwestern. I think they'll be good. I think they'll have a nice tune-up game. And then if you can pull off beating Purdue, finally get that monkey off your back, then you've got some momentum going into the tournament and then you can do some things, but you, you, there's it's really crunch time now there's no there there are no more like mulligans or gimmies you've got to make some things happen that we haven't seen in the last four games so i i think it's capable i think it's still within them they're still an incredibly talented team they're still deserving of a top 10 spot in the nation i'm not you know i'm not one of these doom and gloomers like oh man maybe it's 14 seed 12 seed no, <laughs> no they're not some... <laughs> they're not they're good they're very very good and, and the number matchup of convinced that they are going to be a first round out in the Big Ten tournament. I'm like, you know, come on, come yeah, on. I mean, I know they lost to both those teams at one point in this this season, but you got to you got to look at the Minnesota game differently. Minnesota's like undefeated at home and winless Minnesota's, on the road. You know, it's a. They're, I'm excited for the 30 for 30 on this Minnesota team. It's right a now. weird. It's a weird. There's some weird stuff going on with that team. <laughs> Like in a neutral court, do they just not show up? And they're like, yeah, no, no, <laughs> we're we're done. It's, not in God's I, yeah, plan. We can't. It's do very this. strange, but no one can beat them at home, and they just can't. <laughs> they can't yeah. do anything on the road. It's it's wow. really weird. Yeah. Um. So they should be all right. We'll see how it goes. I want to talk. You know what? There is some other action going on this weekend that is a little more optimistic. And I, Andy, I want to. How did the how did the Wrestle Bucks do? Well, so it's funny that you say, yeah, it's funny that you say optimistic because if uh, you read the comments on my recap of the big 10 tournament on the site, you would not uh, say that it was optimistic. Well, yeah, but we've talked about this. We know that this is, they're not winning the big 10 tournament. We know what's going on here, but there are some success stories as well. Yeah, there, there, there for sure were some success stories. And I think uh, number one, Sammy Sasso, 149 pounds, your big 10 champion, his first big 10 title. He was a, a takedown away from beating Iowa's Pat Lugo a year ago. So he was big 10 runner up as a, as a red shirt freshman, big 10 champion champion as a red shirt sophomore and will be the number one seed into the uh, NCAA tournament nice. in 12 days. And in, uh, in St. Louis, they haven't released the seating yet, but he, he will be the number one seed. No question in my mind. Um, 
and and Sammy Sasso uh, is as good as advertised. He's a fantastic wrestler, um, and and has taken on the role. I I made the comment on Twitter on Sunday after his win. He uh, was asked by one of the television broadcasters what it meant to be a Buckeye, and he gives this you know very passionate um, thing. You know, kind of, and he said, "I'm I'm calling all the young savages out there." in high school wrestling uh, to come to Ohio State because we've got something special going on here. And so I dubbed him kind of, you know, he's the face of the program right now because he is the yeah. uh, 35th individual wrestler in Ohio State history to win a Big Ten championship. Of course, they've had more um, Big Ten titles than that because you have guys like Nathan Tomasello that won four in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but 35 individuals have won Big Ten titles over the years, Sammy being the, the latest to do that. Just a really great weekend for him. He was a dominant wrestler all weekend long. And he had a couple other guys that uh, did really well as, uh, as well. Ethan Smith at 165 pounds, was big 10 runner up wrestled a fantastic match against Iowa's Alex Marinelli. Who's also an Ohio native. Uh, and that was a match that Smith very well could have won. You know, it was within a takedown. Um, Smith had some shots late in the match that, uh, that, that I thought he could have converted that would have made the difference. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. So you'll, you'll see him, I think as a title contender, in in st louis as well so and that's and nice. by the way he's not a guy that people expected to be a title contender at the beginning of the season i say people meaning just your average fan um he's a guy who has improved steadily the whole time he's been in the program but a lot of folks frankly expected that um redshirt freshman carson karchla who's who's a local wrestler here in columbus with an elite wrestling pedigree that that carson would be the guy at 165 because he's that talented uh, but due to injury, Carson didn't wrestle this season. There was an injury right before wrestle-offs that kept him out. And so Ethan, uh, who had originally anticipated perhaps to move up a class and challenge Caleb Romero, ends up wrestling at 165, Big Ten runner-up, and, and I think has a great shot. He'll, he'll for sure, in my mind, finish as an All-American in St. Louis, but has a shot to come back and challenge Marinelli for, for the title as well. Malik Heinzelman at 125, easily the most improved wrestler on the team year over year. He's, uh, he's a guy I've really enjoyed watching this season. He is not going to win an NCAA title because Iowa Spencer Lee is otherworldly good, but Heinzelman <laughs> yeah. came up um, fourth in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, he dropped a close match in the, in the third-place bout. He's a guy I think you'll see become an All-American this year, and, and I'm really excited to see how well – he wrestles in St. Louis. Romero. Uh, real, real quick. Yeah, go side ahead. Note, this is just something that I was thinking about. What, who would you say is the best like pound for pound collegiate wrestler right now? Anywhere in the country, man, I'd probably go with Spencer Lee there at Iowa. I was about to he's say he's so he makes, good. He's making so much noise. And like, I've seen a couple of his Matt, and you're like, Oh Jesus. Like that's, this I, guy I, fell is, in, is... I, I fell in love with him. You know, he's a guy that, you know, that could, could be a four timer. Um, yeah. you, you know, I think that's, that's really reasonable, but he came out as a true freshman. And if you're, if you're a quasi nerd, like I am, uh, so at the NCAA wrestling championships, the season ending tournament, the one for all the marbles, they, you get to the finals and they really up the pageantry for the finals. You know, oh, yeah. you're, you're coming out on the red carpet and yeah, like an intro, intro song. you get your intro song and, and they get to pick Spencer Lee's intro music at the NCAA championships. The last two years has been the, uh, Pokemon theme song. <laughs> And I just love it. I'm like, yes. you know, a guy who is confident enough to walk out to the theme to Pokemon has you got to catch them all, right? Yeah, you got to catch them all. You know, he comes out, he's a 125 pounder, and he's, but he's just a phenomenal wrestler. He's, uh, catch really, really catch good. as can. Yeah. And, and, um, and that year in particular, his freshman year, I mean, there was some meaning to it because there were so many 
really good 125 pounders uh, in the Big Ten and in nationally. And so it was just great because he just beat all of them. And that's hilarious. He's, he's, he's really, really good. Yeah, he is. So I, he's he's my pound for pound guy, I think. And that's no shade to any of the other. I mean, the Big Ten is so good uh, and so deep at most classes. And um, but he, I think that's I think that's a pretty easy. He, he's a he's going to be a, a, probably a Hodge Trophy winner again. Nice. Um, you know, we'll see how the tournament goes, but I could very well see him being a Hodge Trophy guy again. Second side note: I have a former student who um, she did some MMA over the weekend. She was in a bout, which she won, and she asked uh, her Instagram followers, you know, what her her uh, intro music should be. Which I don't know what she ultimately picked, but I my suggestion was, uh, "Why can't we be friends?" Yeah, or, <laughs> that's great. Always a classic. Always a classic pick. Per- perfect fitting for combat sport. Yeah, exactly. I- I always enjoy, you know, how the, how the guys pick their songs, um, you know, cause Ohio state will do that at home meets where the guys come out for their, their match in a dual meet, they'll, they'll get to choose their walkout song. And, uh, yeah, there've been some good ones over the years. <laughs> Pokemon theme song is a good choice. So Ohio state. So you kind of talked about the NCAA tournament. What, what's, I mean, is Iowa just got this thing locked up? Is that yeah. basically so, it? so the big 10 tournament finished up Ohio, uh, Iowa and Penn state first and second, um, right and and iowa ran away with it i mean they they really did they are yeah. they are the class of the sport this season and probably will be again this year uh, again next year just because this year nobody's losing eligibility so you kind of expect that all those guys will will come back another year um it's totally conceivable that you can have somebody as a, a five-time ncaa champion because of of how this um covid and eligibility and so on works i mean it really sucks for guys like colin moore and luke pletcher last year who didn't get to wrestle at an ncaa um, tournament shout out by the way to colin who won the um mateo pelicone tournament a prestigious freestyle tournament in rome italy over the weekend he was the gold medalist there at 97 close uh see uh, ohio state alumnus joey mckenna also representing team usa was the bronze medalist at 65 kilograms so shout out to him um so i think it's uh, uh, uh amar desi who is an ohio regional training center athlete at heavyweight uh i believe he wrestled he go gold or bronze i'm trying to remember desi did one and uh, miles martin wrestled as well and uh, I think was in the bronze medal match also. So, so Ohio State had quite a few guys who were in Rome competing, um, you know, former members of the, of the team while the current team was in state college here at the Big Ten tournament. So yeah, I was going to win the NCAA title, Penn State likely to be second. So what a lot of people uh, you know, in the comments were upset about, Ohio State finished ninth at the Big Ten tournament as a team. Mm-hmm. Not great, you know, but somebody made the point, and it's it's very accurate that there were about eight points separating like fourth or fifth from ninth. So, you know, if Ohio State had gotten a little production out of the back half of its roster, um, then then they might have. And I say the back half, just meaning the five guys who didn't place in the top six, because uh, you had. You know, I mentioned already Sasso won, Smith is a runner-up, Heinzelman was fourth, Caleb Romero uh, won the fifth-place match, and Tate Orndorff finished, uh, I believe, sixth. And they all earned automatic qualifications to the NCAA tournament. But uh, Jordan Decatur was a scratch at 133. We don't know the details or speculation online, everything from making weight to COVID contact tracing. I don't know the details um obviously Ohio State doesn't release things like that for right. you know various 
privacy concerns and so on. So they got no points out of Decatur, who was, I believe, an eight seed into the tournament. Uh, and then four other guys uh, between them added, I think, three points to the team total. Uh, you know, not not great. And and that's frankly, yeah, three points from four guys on the team score. So if those three guys even win one more match each than they did, Ohio State probably finishes like fifth. There you go. Or fourth, you know, instead they finished ninth and it looks terrible. But I think for people who are like, oh my God, this guy is falling low as me. And so I'm like, yeah, slow your roll. I, I think, I think they can figure this out. Do I think they're suddenly going to become a top three team at nationals? Mm, probably not, <laughs> but you know, you should be pretty excited because you've got, you've got some really nice things happening with, with Sasso, Sasso Smith. Heinzelman and Romero. And I think Orndorff will finish as an all American as well. I think he's, I think he's got what it takes. Is he going to win the title? No. Um, that's probably Gable Stevenson or, or, um, Oh, Mason Paris from that, that school up North. Those, one of those two guys is going <laughs> to win the title at, at heavyweight, but, but Orndorff will make the podium. I think so. You've got probably five guys who are going to earn all Americans, or at least are, are in good position to do so. Um, so we'll see how many right now we're in the waiting game to see how many of the other five get a wild card bid to the tournament. So well, that's definitely, I mean, that's, you know, you should be watching the NCAAs at all times. Cause it's, it's a great, event. great, but yeah. there's still a lot of good Ohio state wrestling, I think to, to keep an eye on, uh, even, and, even and, and keep your eye. Not counting I the, so the tournament kicks off on uh, Friday, the 19th. So there'll be wrestling on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and typically um, they'll have a goodly portion of it on ESPN or, or streaming uh, one or the other. So ESPN will have the NCAA tournament. Um, kudos to the Big Ten Network, by the way. They carry the entire Big Ten uh, tournament on the Big Ten Network, which is something I think they should have done for a long time, but they've typically oh, yeah. done the championship round. So kudos to them for you know finally getting their head out of their tail parts and, Agree. and carrying that. It was very cool. Yeah, so there's there's still a lot of great wrestling to go on. Uh, you know, obviously we're rooting for Sammy to keep kicking ass. Um, I want to talk about this before we get into ask us anything. There was there was a news item that came across, I guess, on what on the fifth. So when was that? Fifth is last Friday. So we get a little we get a nice fun little Friday news dump, and this is from the Washington Post where they reported that Big Ten presidents. And advisors and other people involved, chancellors, had been using a third-party platform because they thought that that would allow them to have conversations about COVID planning, things like that. This is, and we're talking about last summer, last spring, that they would be able to have their conversations kept out of the public eye because that would exempt them from things like open records laws, Freedom of Information Act requests, things like that, which by itself that's an absurd thing right like that that in itself is insane you're a public servant all your communication doesn't matter what platform you're using they're, they're public record but i really the part about this article which everyone should really read i really recommend people read it because the keystone cops like vibe of this entire thing is just hilarious but my favorite part 
is where it says not long after blank uh chancellor blank i think that refers i think that refers to a uh, chancellor Blank from uh wisconsin wisconsin yeah yeah shared her concerns with her colleagues schlissel uh who is the um uh president of michigan wrote in an individual message to blank becky if you simply delete emails after sending does that relieve you of freedom of information act obligations <laughs> like the president of michigan of the university of michigan is asking another person in one of the most important people in the big 10 hey if we could just delete our emails can people just not read them is that possible i don't know i don't know too much about this i'm just the president of the <laughs> university of michigan and i'm not real clear on this whole freedom of information act stuff or open records request i don't really know how that works i guess i'll find out along the way it is it is amazing to me that a, they thought they could get away with this and then have nobody report on it at any point in time. B, that there was any like conversation about this being exempt from open records laws. I have no idea how nobody in this gigantic like thread or you know the the uh, the service that they were. I, I cannot believe nobody was like, "Hey guys, this is stupid." Uh, that that blows my mind. And then also that they thought that this would be somehow better to have conversations in private about one of the most significant things that they'll ever do in their entire careers. I just, the whole thing is so unbelievably shady and stupid. And, you know, I'm glad you're not seeing any, you know, conversation with like Drake or anything like that mentioned in this article, but it is just mind blowing. And I really, again, people need to read this freaking article. It is hilarious and also horrifying. Yeah, it comes off as a particularly bad look for Chancellor Blank from Wisconsin and, and, and President Schlissel there from that school up north. Uh, most of the re most of the other presidents aren't aren't mentioned. Uh, there's there's uh, one mention I think of uh, Nebraska President Ronnie Green, uh, but in a not terribly uh, inflammatory comment. But I think the bigger the the bigger thing that the story really underscored is that you know we as taxpayers as alumni as supporters of the institution etc cetera, etc cetera. and i don't mean ohio state in specific but just a public flagship land grant type university in general right you you really it's a good reminder that the people in positions of power at those universities view uh sunshine laws and open records laws as an impediment to them yes. being able to do business in yes. a lot of ways and i you know and, and, and to some extent like I can empathize. I, you know, there's, I'm sure there's times where it's, it, it's, it's a frustration that you can't, um, you know, talk about some serious situations, COVID situations are really serious without being worried about how it's going to look in a news article 18 months later when, you know, people are gonna come back and be like, sure. Oh my God, you know, it, it, because we're all out to get somebody these days that said, You're a public servant. Like, that said, that was the that was the rest of the statement, John. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. I, I, I just... can I can empathize with them, and at the same time, we pay you how many ever hundreds of thousands of dollars you make as president of the university to, you know, and and I mean transparency is part of the deal, especially like right. say, public state university. Like that's that's the gig, the, man. I look, I I have been a public like I've been a public official, quote unquote, as a teacher for years and years and years and years you assume that everything that you write down electronically is public 
information that is publicly available to anybody yeah. who requests it. That's just what you do. You have to understand that when you're getting paid by the taxpayers, taxpayers are allowed to see what you do. That's yes. how it works. And I actually, sunshine laws are really interesting in a lot of different ways, particularly how they're applied in different states and things like that. I wrote about this years ago uh, with Tennessee because they were doing investigations on like sexual harassment and assault at the University of Tennessee. And there was a, uh, a reporter at, I think in like Nashville or maybe Knoxville, I can't remember uh, what uh, paper she was working for, but she's like getting harassed by Vols fans, right? For oh, doing yeah, a job. For sure. Yeah, for filing these FIO or these, uh, you know, FOA requests. And like that, A, that's her job, but B, you're, you're arguing against the reporter having access to information about the school that you purport to care about. And I understand you don't want to, people don't want to hear bad news, but like, first of all, this kind of stuff right here, when we're talking about COVID, like those conversations have to be public. That's insane that they wouldn't be. It, it's not just the fact that they're at a public university. We're talking about a public health crisis that affects sports specifically, which people, the public obviously care a lot about. But when you look at stuff with like Les Miles, right at LSU yeah. and all the stuff that's been going on with him recently, it just emphasizes the absolute necessity for these public institutions to make their communications, their investigations, their statements completely public. Because I understand the, the desire to want to be able to handle things internally, but A, that's not how it works when it's a public institution. And B, yep. the people have the right to vet and evaluate your job, period. Mm -hmm. And yep. if, it's a, if it's a situation like Les Miles, where a guy's being accused of harassment and all this other stuff, yeah, the public has a right to know about that too. Um, yep. But particularly with this, it's hilarious to me that all of these presidents and chancellors in the Bay 10 decide to go, you know what, let's see if we can get away with this. And mm -hmm. it's, it's mind-boggling that, that they thought that would work out. Um, yeah. And I guess it did to a certain extent, but like, I don't know, man. It's just, it is mind-boggling. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's so, so that to me were the big takeaways. One, just the links that a university president would go to try to keep things out of, of broad daylight. But then it also, you know, is a good reminder of the importance of sunshine laws, FOIA, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I, I have to admit this, I've been working in media, you know, more or less my entire career uh, as, as a journalist or one role or the other. And even I, you know, there was some story in the dispatch over the weekend about uh, the Columbus Zoo and like uh, the zoo owns. Oh yeah, the the zoo owns some houses and they're renting the houses to family members of executives for. Right. You know, and so like I read the story and to me it was a big nothing burger. Like I'm thinking just as a reader, not as a journalist. I'm like, sure, this is a big nothing burger to me because these people were paying rent and I don't really care. You know, it's fine. And then I stopped myself and said, wait a minute. It may be a it, it may be a big nothing burger, and at the same time, if there isn't a journalist doing that kind of investigative reporting, it could have very well been, and may very well be, some shady, horrible, unethical abuse of taxpayer of dollars and the public trust and and all these things. Like it's important that people are asking those questions, and so yeah. then we as to apply this back to sports. You know, if I as a career journalist read a story like that, I'm like, ah, eh, roll my eyes. Who cares? And then you you add that in, you put in a, a rabid fan base like your example with the Tennessee Volunteers. I think it's incumbent on us as sports fans to remember that sometimes we have to stay, take a step back and think about like, okay, am I reacting to this story as a fan, which is short for fanatic, 
or you know am i looking at this objectively and most of us don't look at it, at it objectively right. uh when it has to do with our team we can look at it objectively when it's a you know another team you know if, oh if it's something the sec is doing you know we'd be right we'd be up in arms and and so on and so forth so the next time i guess what i'm saying the next time you're honked off at a reporter for digging into uh your particular team whether that's ohio state or some other team like just keep in mind um uh, you know, there's some shady stuff that happens out there and you eventually want that to come to light because right. it needs to. I agree. Becky, if you simply delete the emails after sending, <laughs> does that relieve you of FOIA obligation? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't, dude. It absolutely doesn't. You're an idiot. You're mm. the biggest dummy in the history of the universe. <laughs> um, like <laughs> Anyway, but yes, I, I absolutely agree with you. You've got, you've got to have people doing this job because that's otherwise there's no, there is literally no reason for them not to do a bunch of shady, awful stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I agree hundred uh, percent. We want to remind you the Dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com drygoods.11warriors.com shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. It's really warm out. I hate it, but that's a good opportunity to buy some shirts and uh, wear them. Uh, yeah. God, it's like 60 degrees all week. Just complete garbage. Um, let's do some ask us anything. You can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com and literally anything we we love answering all kinds of questions from sports related to the most esoteric stuff that you can possibly think of um i want to start here this is from uh molly bob 54 and um <laughs> sent some from from uh molly bob's galaxy and i i really appreciate that the entirety of the question is in the subject line of the <laughs> of the email um which is about our, uh justin aaron's playing time in the past five or six games you cannot find washington ever feeling feeding the ball to justin aaron's uh almost true of walker also why has coach not built in any specific plays to get him more open and so on rather than bench him um i think part of it honestly is like you don't ever find washington feeding the ball to our i don't think you see washington feeding the ball to anybody frankly uh, and that's one of our biggest gripes but yeah i think Arns just is not he doesn't have it right now and um i don't know if benching him is necessarily the solution but i don't really know what would be honestly i don't know that to me that is the one of the most confounding things about this team in the past four games frankly yeah and you know it's funny when you ask the question i think part of the question was you know, about designing plays yeah one of the things that's kind of boggled me and and, and again i've been pretty unabashed in my uh, holtman fandom so this is not me being a hater one of the things that's been kind of fascinating to me is I think Ohio State has some really good plays uh, in yeah. their toolkit. Like if you if you watch them over the course of the season, they've done some really smart things. Uh, it just doesn't seem like over the past three weeks that they have used any of those in the final four <laughs> minutes of ball games. Right. So I don't know if we just get down to the wire and it's like, eh, let's throw some crap to the wall and see what sticks. I you know I'm. I, I don't quite, I don't quite get, I mean, some of that, I think is just like we were saying earlier, uh, Dwayne is happy to get the ball and chuck it at some syndrilical, uh, orifice somewhere and whether or not he hits <laughs> it or not is, Hey, whatever. Uh, life's, but, life's funny sometimes. You know, yeah. I, Arns, I think his deal, you know, sometimes shooters are streaky and sometimes 
you know, they're, they're off. And in, I don't know the only, so there's a school of thought that says the only way to get yourself out of a slump is to shoot yourself out of a slump. So right. I, to me, one of the things is how few shots he's taken. Mm-hmm. And some of that goes back to what we were just saying, you know, if yeah. you got one guy on the team is happy to jack up 10 shots and uh, whether anybody else does or not, you know, that could be a problem. I think they need to, yeah. Holman needs to run the point through CJ and get the ball to Arns and see what happens. Yeah, and not just like at the end of games, kind of go. All right, well, I'm just putting it all, you know, put it all on Dwayne, just just letting it ride. You know what I mean? It, it, you're right. He does design some really cool, intelligent plays, and that seems to completely escape the team, uh, especially in crunch time, but also during the last few games. And it's it's kind of frustrating. It's it's frustrating to watch because they, you know, Holman's a great coach. He knows what he's doing. He's not a dummy. Um, but it just it, it feels like the entire team has just not been really playing up to their strengths. And I guess that includes coaching as well. Um, but, you know, here, here is your opportunity to, to shift that, to change that narrative. And I would love to be talking, you know, <laughs> next week about, oh, OK, well, you know, we, we yeah. get so much more confidence. And they'll be great and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Next, next, ask us anything questions from our good friend, Alvin. Alvin has a very important um, question that I've actually I have I've pretty big thoughts on this he says coke remix machines what's your choice of mix so we uh are kind of so i'll back off and say that i don't have an answer to this question because i'm not a soda pop guy uh what yeah no so my okay well there's got to be a story behind that were you ever once a soda pop guy so and then decided a, to yes, abdicate your throne kid, uh it's one of those things that just sort of i fell out of so as a kid we were a pepsi cola household dad dad would drink a pepsi every night when he got home from work like that mm-hmm. was a that was a thing there was just always we had one of those um you could buy you know like a dollar store kind of thing one of those like uh, pepsi can racks or the soda can racks that oh yeah yeah like a whole 12 pack in the refrigerator and you'd take one out and it just sort of rolls down the next one yeah a uh, little little two layer kind of thing and so if you came home from school and you got in the refrigerator and you saw that we were running low on Pepsi, you better put more Pepsi cans in the dispenser <laughs> because there should always be a full rack of Pepsi cans, you know, cooling in the refrigerator or yeah. like bad things would happen. So, you know, we did. I drank a lot of Pepsi as a kid. Um, I was never really into Mountain Dew. I drank it at times. Um, I, you know, I'd like a Sprite or Seven Up kind of drink, probably as much as anything. Uh, Orange Fanta, I really used to get into. I liked Orange Fanta quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, um, I think our Frisch's big boy had Coke and the combination of the Frisch's Coke machine and the little, little cubelets of ice. It's like crushed ice, but they're like little, it's the best part of Frisch's. What are you talking it about? Is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 They, yes. I don't, I don't know how you, how you describe it, but their ice and that Coke combination. It's magic. Oh my God. So, By the way, side note. Favorite thing about Frisch's, aside from everything else about it, but I one of the things I really loved about it was taking a straw at Frisch's and just crunching it down until you've yeah. got like a straw filled with ice. And then yeah, you yeah, just yeah. Like yeah. Get a little ice snack that you eat through the straw. I loved it. It makes me feel good knowing that that's apparently like a universal like experience that we had as kids oh, who lived in a town with a Frisch's big boy. Oh my I, gosh. I absolutely love it. there every so, Sunday. Great. Yeah, we did too. Yeah, Frisch's Coke in that ice that was magic and and i don't know maybe that just ruined me for every other variation on the theme now <laughs> so somehow over the past 20 like i never made a conscious decision to say i'm not drinking pop anymore like that's not just who i am to say i don't eat this or drink this that's sure. not my but i just realized over over time the only caffeinated beverage that i really drink is coffee 
Mm. Um, you know, and I probably drink a pot of coffee every day. I'm not like a Starbucks junkie. I mean, I just drink drip coffee. Yeah. Um, so, you know, probably drink a pot of coffee every day. Waffle house coffee is my favorite. Um, I, you know, I used to make a pot of tea every afternoon around tea time, I guess for the, the, um, little British man inside me. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I'd, I'd pop on over, to, but I never, I haven't been into soda pop. I couldn't tell you the last time that I like bought, um, pop. Now the stunning Mrs. Vance, this is where I was going to go with the answer to your question about the, the Dyla drank fountains, mm-hmm. um, hates them with a fiery passion of 10,000 burning suns because, She's a Dr. Pepper junkie. Oh. And you go to one of those stores that has the various mixes and you ask for a Dr. Pepper and the Dr. Pepper is then tainted with whatever the last jabroni <laughs> who had. So if you got, you know, lemon vanilla diet Coke or right. Dr. Pepper has that essence of lemon vanilla Dr. Pepper diet Coke um, from those machines. So she uh, abhors those and would be very happy uh, if they went away and never came back. So she could just get a straight up dr pepper from the dr pepper only nozzle i don't you know i don't drink a lot of soda myself i i you know occasionally you know it's we'll get like a diet like uh you know like a diet seven up or something like that i do have actually really fond memories of seven up when i was a kid because i stayed with my grandparents a lot and their go-to like you know midnight snack or late night snack is i get a I get a bag of microwave popcorn and then a seven up can of seven up and that was that was like my jam, and I would have that every night. I was over at grandma and grandpa's, so I I love I love that. And another thing is that so my parents almost never had like soda pop or anything like that in the house. So the only time I would ever have it was if I went over to grandparents. My grandpa loved Fago, which is mm-hmm. hilarious because it's like not not an insane count, clown posse aficionado. <laughs> uh, very very much the opposite of that, and he just he he loved fago and he had tons of it in his house and it's hilarious and so every time i'd be over there and i spent a lot of time with him too um you know we'd, we'd go in the figure route so as i got older i just I, I didn't really buy it very often but i do enjoy going to like the remix machines because it's all the stuff i wanted to do when i was a kid because that's what i do whenever we go to a restaurant I'd, I'd mix them all together right just see what kind of different flavors i can create and um by the way, another thing, Coke and apple cider, delicious. I love that combo. Really? Oh, I love it. But you got to be really smart. You can't put in too much apple cider. It just makes it taste like flat, right? Huh. So you got to you just enough apple cider so that the flavor is still there, but the carbonation is still like present. Anyway, my go-to to answer Alvin's question is uh, I love this in both popsicle form and also in soda form. And so I get an orange... I make a little orange ice, you know, creamsicle kind of thing where you get the orange soda and then the vanilla addition to it. And it is perfect every nice. time I'm doing the chef's kiss thing. It's, it's so damn good. I love it. And you don't really, there isn't really a, a orange cream soda out there, at least that I'm aware of. I mean, I, there is, but not like, you know, often put in store. So anytime I get one of those remixes, I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm getting. It's, it's delicious. Uh, wow. Another remix thing I like to do, which usually only has two flavors available is, Back in the, you know, the heady days of uh, 2019 and early 2020 when you could go to movie theaters, um, yeah. I always like getting the uh, the Icy's and then mixing the flavors oh, of Icy's. Nice. Oh, my God. I love freaking Icy's so I much. used to think that was half the reason we went to uh, movies. <laughs> it is. Mrs. Van, because our the, the little tyke loves the the Icy at the, the Cannot chicken. get enough of Icy's. Oh, I yeah, love them so much. That's her jam. 
And they let you refill them, which <laughs> once I figured that out, I was like, all right, <laughs> know what I'm doing on my way out. That's 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 for John. Um, so yeah, that's ask us anything. Continue sending in those excellent questions. Um, particularly questions about Coke remix machines. That was great, Alvin. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> and again, you can send them to dubcast at 11warriors.com. We've got we've got things coming up right it's 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 coming down to crunch time it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ass big 10 tournament by the way i I, like the way they've got all these games situated um how intense it's gonna be over the first like couple days where it's just game after game after game after game after game i'm really excited about it and i think it's gonna be a really fun um few days regardless of what ohio state does so i'm pretty excited about I'm, i'm pretty pumped and you know, next time we'll be back and we'll we'll break it down and how high states you know the best team in the country again and it'll be great <laughs> i'm there for it man let's make it yeah happen. so yeah i mean it's you know it'll happen uh so until then i'm johnny i'm andy and we'll see you next time